in an almost defenseless third classicer, Bayern Munich defeated Borussia Dortmund 3-2 to extend their lead on the Bundesliga standings table to four points. Both the result and process of this game could give the two teams a lot to reflect on, ranging from why their control of the ball was so sloppy to who should leave and who should stay for the future of the clubs. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Hey, crazy game last night. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's one of those games where I don't even know how teams get in that position because it really is, like you said, like there's no defense. No. Like, it's one thing to be end to end when it's like, okay, it's two two, eighty eighth minute, let's just go. But that was like end to end from like the first five minutes exactly. or so. Yeah. Like. On one hand, I think it's encouraging for Dortmund, who have been struggling this year up and down. I mean, they are so reliant on Haaland, mm-hmm. and they were again uh, in this game. So, on one hand, that's not the best, but the fact they have like the energy, the drive, the verve to give Bayern Munich a go. On the other hand, this Bayern Munich, you know, when you talk about like giant sides like this, they've only lost three times in True. the uh, Bundesliga. That's still quite bad for a team that typically mm-hmm. goes, like, if not undefeated, like, they lose one yeah, and that's it. Yeah, it's not even the half of the season. Yeah, exactly. So for them to be in this position where they just kind of collapse, um, that midfield, like, Leon Goretzka just mm. kind of wasn't there at yeah. all. Um, I forget who was playing alongside him, but the way uh, Julian Nagelsmann has that team set up, it's like two separate halves. But then when there's no flow between the back half and the front half and you have a team like Dortmund, which is just young lads, very fast, mm-hmm. strong legs, Bellingham on one side, uh, Royce through the middle, Haaland on the other side, and they're just cutting right through this team. Like, that's that's quite a bad sign. That is. Although, as a football fan, it does make quite exciting for exciting it games. It is, yeah. You know, uh, that, like that first goal by Julian Brandt, how he got that much space and how he got into the box that quickly. It mm-hmm. was like, what? He scored in like seven minutes? Yeah. Oh, actually, it's at four. Four, right, yeah. yeah. Was the was the response from Bayern in the seventh? Within the, 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm thinking of. Yes, yeah, so it was like the very opening. He just kind of, the team just sprinted down. Like, it's one thing to talk about like German football, Gegenpress, things like that. But it's another where like at the start of the game, it's just attack. Like, so many times you get uh, teams where... Like this is basically what every team kind of should do is you start off, you drop back into your formation, then you build into your style of play. With them, it's just go. Like mm-hmm. you, it's like when you used to play on like FIFA and you couldn't pass oh, it exactly, the, yeah. you couldn't pass it past the halfway till you'd done it, but as soon as you did, you get all your players mm-hmm. to sprint forward. Like that's what Dortmund looked like. Yeah, because um this is really not the first time I saw Dortmund try to strike early and strike hard on Bayern. Mm. The thing is that they could always do it, you know, by uh, like filling in the two wings and yeah. try to cut your ball even from the backcourt. Mm-hmm. It worked because it worked twice, first in the first half and yeah. then in the second half. Why couldn't they do it in other games? Because Dortmund are not really doing so well in the Champions League. It's it's really, really strange. Like from what I've seen of them this year, they almost remind me of... Uh, the New York Giants mm-hmm. from when Eli Manning was there. Yeah. Because there was a saying about them, which is when they play good teams, they play up to them. When they play bad teams, they play down to them. Oh. Which is that when you see Bayern as the next on the fixture, your mentality is, okay, this is the big game. They're the biggest team. We have to get something from it. So it's all systems go. Mm-hmm. When you're going against Grutefeld, for example, a smaller team or Wolfsburg or something. Yeah. 
you're not so fired up, you're not so interested. True. If you're a team like this, which is so reliant on player chemistry and being very precise as you ping pong the ball on your sprints, things like that, it's it doesn't really play out that well when you're not really that up for it. You know, it's a it's a strange thing because the team with that many good players, a good manager, mm-hmm. basically, you know, they are second in the Bundesliga. They should be better than they are. Yeah. But whatever it is, they just can't get over this like mediocrity almost. It's like the only thing that keeps you from a good team to you know the best teams. Yeah. 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 Like I wonder because that's the thing. Like as much as it. It's been a pleasure to watch Haaland play. Mm. With when they play with him and when they play without him, it's like Marco Rosa has no idea of how to structure the team when True. he's not there. There's there's so many times when because the way that team's generally structured, it always ends like you know four two three one something like that. There's always like people up front, mm-hmm. even when it's not, and it's like um like four two 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 or something yeah. like four four two two or whatever. So. The way they typically structure it is you'll have Haaland or Royce as like a floating midfielder. Mm-hmm. So when you have like a Bellingham up the side, they can go, they can cut back in, and your midfielder who was there attacking anyway can sprint in and get on the end of it. Yeah. So many times when Haaland wasn't there, they play still with those with that 2-2 up front, the overlapping wingers. But then when they cross it in, there's kind of no one there. Like yeah. So many times I've seen them play without Haaland, and they get into a crossing position and they just launch an attack without seeing if there's anybody there. It's like, you know, uh, Martin Tyler calls it the corridor of uncertainty, like mm-hmm. that kind of gap between where if you're the goalkeeper, where your like, uh, central defender is, where your centre-back should be, kind of the bit between him and the bit ahead, because mm-hmm. that's kind of, well, it could be a cross, could be a shot. True. They were always seemed reliant on getting the ball into that gap to kind of maybe hopefully bend it in mm-hmm. or aim for a deflection, something like that. So they are so reliant on this one player. Yeah, at the same time, it's undeniable when he's there, he changes the game yeah. every time he gets the ball. People are... Because it isn't just that... I mean, I would say it isn't just. The thing which I have to go is just he's just do everything. It isn't he like... Does. It's like, oh, he's fast, but he's not powerful. He's powerful, he's not fast. He can do everything, which makes him so frightening. And when you see that goal he scored at the start of the second half, like... That's not even he's like the best the, the foot he's used right, to be kicking. Exactly. Yeah. And it was this perfect arc. And the way it went in, like yes, it bounced in off the post, but the amount of space that was there, you know he was aiming for the far post anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just this remarkable like every time he gets the ball it's a highlight. Yeah. So you so you can't fault Rosa for this, but at the same time you can't be reliant on one player, otherwise you end up as we constantly talk about Manchester United, where they're so reliant on Ronaldo mm-hmm. that the rest of the team falls apart. They're so reliant on Haaland that the rest of that team just doesn't seem to function when he's not there. And I just can't explain why that is. Exactly. And I think the better Haaland played, the worse maybe Dortmund would feel because so That's... far there's no sign of him staying. Although the team have great young talents. Yeah. Like... Um, Brandt, yeah, Julian Brandt. Mm-hmm. They are all there to assist him, yeah, and they're all young, yeah. So, what will it take to convince him to stay? Not maybe for five or six years, but mm. for at least another season to see maybe Dortmund will make a difference. Yeah, I almost think the issue isn't anything they can do because I think one, it's money. True. Simply because they know that he is such a next level, once in a generation player, that it isn't just a case of 
oh, there'll be a bidding war, he'll go to a big team, is that they know for a fact it's only going to be between PSG, Chelsea, um, City, maybe, maybe Newcastle. Yeah. Basically, the teams that will be willing to spend 100 million, 110 million, because they know he is just that good. Mm-hmm. I also think perhaps that they would have to win the Bundesliga to convince him that they can stay as That's an operation, harsh. which is very hard. And also, I think that they would be better to keep him if they focused on the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Because if they can do that, like, you know, the, the final that they lost to, to Bayern at Wembley, like, it's a shame. But that was an iconic moment for the club because yeah. they got that far against all odds. If they can go through and get like a bracket where round of 16 they beat Barcelona round of quarterfinals they mm-hmm. beat a big basically if they can giant kill on their way to a final and convince him that it's a team that can be built around him that's one thing but in both situations it's something either Dortmund can't afford or as we've seen by how they play in general something that they probably can't do that's true and I can actually feel worse for Mass Hamels yeah who was involved in all of the three goals and almost, you know, get an own goal yeah, he for Dortmund is really too, unlucky. Yeah, he is too old for that team. Yeah. I think simply because as, as you get further back in the pitch, you can be older. We saw this mm. with Bonucci and Barella at yeah, the yeah. Um, and Chiellini as well at that the World Cup where you can be old because it's kind of a more instinctual position if you play as. Um, Dortmund do with a back four. It's very easy to have someone in the middle who can then be like a mini coach on the pitch and kind of coach the faster, younger players. Like they have Ayopakamo in the position next mm-hmm. to him. It should be a case where Hummels hangs back. He can see the play coming and he's like, go this way, go that yeah, way. Yeah, and they yeah. kind of block him. But he just seems, this season in particular, mm-hmm. time has caught up with him. He seems a bit That's too true. old, a bit yeah. too clumsy. Like the penalty that he gave away, that's a mistake which a younger, more agile player would not have made because True. you can see that he's kind of falling into it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, couldn't remember on the replay if he gets pushed over or he trips over, but whatever it is, it's something where he's lost his footing and that shouldn't happen and wouldn't happen if he was five years ago, you know, when he was at Bayern, when he was at Dortmund the first time, it just wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time for him to look elsewhere, I think. Maybe back to Bayern Munich. Well, because <laughs> he he did the switch thing. Yeah, twice. Yeah, I was thinking more perhaps MLS something. Maybe, like. maybe, yeah. <laughs> Following that doesn't like sound so bad. Yeah. yeah. Although we were talking about how reliant Dortmund has been on Holland, actually Bayern is no less reliant on Robert Lewandowski, who yeah. scored two goals and now leads Bundesliga history yeah. in road goals. Mm, and yeah, that guy again, is likely to leave. Yeah. 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 The position that they're in with him is pretty remarkable because it's similar to Dortmund in that you are right there reliant on him. The difference is they have other goal scorers they can use like uh, Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry. The difference is because their formation is always pointed towards the one striker, Mm -hmm. it's always him who gets the lion's share of the service. When people go through the channels, it's always with the aim of getting up to him beyond the back line. So it's all almost a case of their reliance on him simply because of the tactics give him 80% of the shots. So when he goes, yes, they will not have this goal scorer. But you can almost look at that team without him and think, okay, well, Gnabry moves up a little bit further. True. Maybe Eric Maxim, Chupamoting, becomes like a two up front, something like that. 
With Dortmund, I have no idea because mm. I like Bellingham, but I mm. don't think he's that kind of player. No, he's more like a, a sister. Like you yeah, know. like I, I would almost, based on how I've seen him play, compare him to like a Raheem Sterling or maybe even like a True. current. Uh, Bobby Firmino at Liverpool in the Should sense be, of yeah. he's part of the attack but his main part is to get up fast then pull back it's and not set a finisher someone else. Type. right exactly yeah. that's exactly it he has everything but he's not a finisher he could be but you can't be a finisher if you already have a finisher like Haaland starting in the game time ahead of you you know what I mean mm-hmm. so yeah the situation at Bayern like I, I, we, we said this before the, the issue is depth yeah. squad depth in all the positions so it's great that they have this guy who they can rely on for goals it's great that they have backups in the slightly false nine-ish positions mm-hmm. but even so yeah if Lewandowski goes that's a problem that it will be if basically if any of them go if you know they paid a lot for like Ayabakamo but if he does go in a season or two well mm-hmm. are they going to fill someone else in that's true it's a it's a it's it's a very strange situation because they shouldn't be in this position, and yet you feel like they're constantly on the precipice. Someone pulls a hamstring, someone breaks a bone, something like that. You can immediately see, okay, well, here's the points dropped. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a very difficult situation. Yeah, because that actually reminds me of more concerns of buying on the back and middle field. Mm. You could see that four of the five goals, except the penalty of Lewandowski, yeah. were scored because uh, uh, the backs and the midfielders they yeah. made mistakes. And this is just dormant. I'm not saying they're not doing a good job. Their ball pressing is great, but yeah. it's not the best. Right. I personally think Chelsea did that the best. Mm. Chelsea has not met Bayern yet, but they will yeah. maybe in the knockout stage. Mm-hmm. What could Bayern do? I mean, can you really trust, say, uh, okay, Kimmich is not here. Can you trust Schuller? Yeah. Can you trust um, Sani or anyone else to handle the ball well against Chelsea, which basically have two top squads and so good at ball pressuring you in the front field. Yeah, that's the thing which, you know, we we look at, like I mentioned, it's kind of a team of two halves, a front Mm -hmm. half and a back half, and that back half is the real issue. Yeah. And Julian Nagelsmann needs to get that fixed. But like you say, against a team that's Dortmund to the next level, more precise in the form of Chelsea, Mm -hmm. more... I was going to say vicious, but they kind of squander in front of the goal, but they get to the goal very quickly. They do have a really, yeah. literally, back-to-back guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things with Chelsea where, you know, you can say, oh, Timo Werner scuffs all the shots. Mm-hmm. The fact he gets so many proves why they're still a dangerous team. Yeah. So, yeah, a team like that is exactly what Bayern does not need to face. It's, a, it's one of those situations kind of like, you know... Thomas Muller, for example, is one of those players where when he's at his best, he's unplayable. Mm-hmm. When he's at his, at his worst, because he's such a maverick, he becomes yeah. a liability. Without a solid system around him, that could be a problem. Yeah, And, you know, they're starting all these young guys like Lucas Hernandez, players like that, who mm. I think... I like to think that Nagelsmann is playing them in all these games so they have the experience when they get to the Champions League. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... I'm still seeing too much weakness, too much frailty. Yeah, you know, going back to what we said at the start, like the fact this was the fact this was box to box from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and you can see those massive gaps on the wings where the where the wingers from Dortmund could push into. True. If you give that much space to a side like Chelsea, it's uh, it's going to be disaster. lethal weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thinking of other teams, I think um, Manchester City mm-hmm. are similar in that problem. Yeah. I think that. 
PSG, once again, is the team that they are probably best suited against, simply mm-hmm. because if you can look at the tactics of buying and say back half, front half, with with uh, PSG, it's literally front three and everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's very easy to neutralize. We've seen it happen plenty of times. Especially the, when they're not really playing, you know, in a one heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've seen that in the group stage a lot already. We've yeah. seen it in Ligue 1 already. So, yeah, I think that they need to do a lot of defensive tightening. That's the mm-hmm. lesson to learn from this game. Um, but how are they going to do it? Unless they find someone in the transfer window who can anchor that central uh, center defense. It's going to cost a fortune. I think so. Yeah. After the game, Bellingham said something very dangerous yeah. to him about the referee. It's not really the first time even Michael Royce complained that the referee, the officiating sometimes can be helpful to yeah. Bayern Munich. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit akin to Fergie time back mm-hmm. in the Premier League. Yeah, It's one of those situations where the big decisions always tend to go their way. The penalty is very contentious in True. the sense of... So the new rules they have... Cause the way they do it, it's often done like country rules, Europe-wide rules. So you get different things in the Premier League to the Champions League to uh, the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it still applies, but they're trying to make it seem like there's intent. Mm. And in this, it's very clear that there's none because Hummels isn't looking at the ball. No. He's lost his footing. It's very clear that the way the ball fell, there was no real advantage to it. Mm-hmm. My bigger concern isn't necessarily that. It's that it got a VAR check when Dortmund's concerns earlier in the game did not. Which, to me, it isn't a team-versus-team, league-versus-league thing. It's a problem with the technology because we've had it now for two seasons Mm. and I still can't figure out what it is that means one thing deserves a check, one thing doesn't. Exactly. Is it like personal decision of the referee? Yeah, exactly, which to me makes no sense simply because I always thought and I've seen this view be said by people all the way from Gary Lineker to uh, certain players um, it's a general view which is when I'm watching it on TV there are times when a goal will be ruled offside before they can um, even kick off again from like a goal yeah. kick or something I've seen on Sky Sports, on B and Sports, whatever, three different replays, three different angles. The commentators will be like, oh, look, there's the line I can see. Mm-hmm. So if I can see as someone sitting at home, the person who is in the stadium, whose job is to officiate... Who has help from others. Precisely should be able to get that information at least as fast as I can sitting at home. So I do not understand why we have this system now in the way it's functioning as it is, mm-hmm. when it's still second best to, you know, Astro Supersport replay. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. No. So what we need, at least from games like this, I've heard this idea used before because I believe they do this in baseball mm-hmm. with the umpires. When the game is over, quick press conference, quick meeting, explain your decisions throughout the game because I would like to know what it is that the referee saw in that potential handball in the box. Referee report. That he didn't see at the other end because to me that makes no sense. And... Maybe it's biased, maybe it's not. But if he were to come out and explain it, then maybe I go, well, it's not biased. It's just he saw this, saw that, whatever. If there's some kind of explanation, that's fine. But as there isn't, and it's in such a lopsided way, and not only lopsided, it basically decided the game. Mm -hmm. I completely understand Bellingham's frustrations. Yeah, that's true. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon next week. Speak to you next time. See you.